Plato once said, Let parents bequeath to their children not riches, but the spirit of reverence. Well, my guest today on the program was certainly raised in keeping with Plato's advice. Thanks to her filmmaker parents, she grew up with a reverence for art, as well as an understanding of the business that it takes to get that art out there. So we're going to be chatting with her today about all that stuff. Oh, and her dad's here too. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. tell you a little bit about Indira May and her dad. Indira May has the kind of voice that will bring you to your knees. Self-possessed, sonorous, and imbued with the kind of phrasing that's so emotionally precise it almost feels supernatural. Indira May, putting it simply, is a revelation. Her new EP, Simpler Things, is a ravishing blend of trip-hop, jazz, and indie soul. Trust me, It's a straight-up stunner, and one listen makes it very clear that for this artist, the sky is indeed the limit. Indira's got her own company called Trash Films and Music, and that company is really one to watch. Yeah, she's learned by having cool parents, and she paid attention to their work ethic and their grace. But Indira is now making her own mark on the music world and setting examples of her own. Now, a while back, we had her dad, Tim May, on the program. Tim was in a band in the 80s called The Righteous Boys that signed with CBS, and after that band ended, he went on to become a filmmaker, making documentaries for the BBC's multi-award-winning art strand, Arena. There, his subjects included Paul McCartney and folk legend Ewan McCall. He runs Strange Films and Music with his wife, the writer and director Karen Stowe. They produce films for agencies, brands, and companies, and they make documentaries. Their latest is You Can't Go Back, a fabulous movie about Delamitri. And if you think Tim sounds busy, well, he is. 
In fact, his band Aliens are set to release their brilliant new album very soon. And I could go on and on and on about Aliens because I love them. But there's so much Aliens news happening, we're going to have to revisit it on a future show. Now, Tim's a friend of mine, so it's always fun talking to him. But this was the first time that I'd met Indira, and she was just the loveliest. These are great people, and this is a great chat. So here you go. Indira and Tim May, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. My housemate, who's also my best friend of like 13 years, I think, um, we started this company together called Trash. Um, and her skills kind of lie more in the film side. So she was producer um, in that crew. And I know for a fact that you guys were in contact a lot, kind of just advice around how to run a crew and kind of yeah. little bits and bobs and the kind of yeah. things that we might not have thought of when putting it together because Hattie Hattie and I have worked together and Delilah your friend who's the who's the the, the, the costume designer well because in a way how do how do how does someone get started so you know when um when I left the agency and I was freelancing one of the first gigs I got was to produce a commercial well I haven't produced a commercial in a long time in several years and um, Delilah was looking to get a foot, foot in the door as a runner to move into costume design and creative design. So she came on a few shoots with me and was absolutely brilliant. And then Hattie, Hattie came in as an actor on that one, actually. Oh, yeah. But yeah. She, she, she said to us, we were on holiday, weren't we? And Hattie turned around and said, Indy and I want to make videos through our own company as well as music. And I want to be a video producer. And I actually said, which was probably a bit unkind of me, I suppose. I said, are you sure? Because you haven't, because your acting career is just starting to really go. You're working so hard. Do you want to divert your energy? And she was adamant about it. Mm. And more fool me because, um, you know, we did a bit of work together on things. We did some sort of mentoring type stuff. And then the next thing I know, is I ring her up for a job to do a job with me and she can't do it because she's working as a junior producer for another production company. And then, and then the She was doing insane (laughs) things like Nike adverts, Stella Artois, like she had no like background history in producing. And suddenly she went from like, it was literally one week. Yeah, I want to do producing. And then a few weeks later, she had like three producing jobs on the go. It was insane. It was like, um, it was like a baptism of fire, but um, but the thing about Hattie is she solves problems all the time. So she was doing a pop promo for someone and the producer was useless and then kind of exited stage left, didn't mm. she? And Hattie, who'd been hired, you know, in a really junior position, said to them, oh, okay, well, you can't get, you can't get, um, you can't get a studio to film all these dancers in. It's all blacked out because they're not open and anyway, it's too expensive. 
she said, but I think we could get a nightclub for nothing because they're, they're all shut down at the moment. So she has that kind of lateral thinking all the time. And then, to be honest, on your video, it was really just things about, you know, insurance, running the day to make sure you don't run out of time. But also COVID as well. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. we were, we had to think about that because mm. there were rules at the time and how many people you could have in a building mm. and kind of all of that and getting people to sign like health forms. And so, yeah, there was, there was that stuff that, that was kind of quite new to us and, you know, you want to make sure you get that stuff right. So. But it was, it, it was, it was, it was amazing because at the end of the shoot, um, the people that been, have been working on it came up to you and Hattie and they said they'd not worked on a promo shoot that had been that well run and where they'd been taken care of in that way um, for such a long time because it was run so professionally. And I think you, you can't, you say people's a, if someone's a natural producer or a natural writer or it, it, you, need, you, need, you need to put the hours in, but Hattie does have an ability to persuade people yeah. to do things. And in, our, then... in our business relationship, she's kind of like the front man talker. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, I'm the ideas and like <laughs> the weird ideas. <laughs> and she, she, she kind of talks to people and persuades people to do things. Because you, you, lost, you lost your budget, didn't you? So, yeah. so they had to do it for half of what they thought, actually a third of what they thought. Why, and what happened? The, we applied for funding, um, Arts Council funding, um, and we just didn't get it. And it's a really hard funding to get. So, you know, we kind of knew that going into it, it was a big risk, but we did plan it. So we had two budgets. Um, so we didn't, you know, we couldn't go with budget A, so we had to do it on budget B, but that just meant that like building up to it, we just had to work a little bit harder because we had to work more hours at the jobs that you know the other jobs we do like childcare and the other producer jobs and admin work and whatever it is um and then also kind of talk to people and say you know do you mind would you mind doing it at this reduced rate or can we come to some agreement and you know to our surprise actually like every basically everyone was so um kind of into the project that people were really willing to to do that and yeah that was quite heartwarming really but also you didn't ask anyone to work for free and I, no and I, we wanted to pay everyone I, and i think that you know that that is really important because you know i think everybody who's trying to do something creative is happy you often gets asked to work for free and I, I think it's i think even if you paid someone an absolutely nominal fee you should definitely pay them and, and you managed it and, yeah and yeah. i think because the, the idea behind trash is that you know, without the crew, you wouldn't have your music video. And there's so many roles within that crew that, that go unnoticed. Um, and we kind of want to like champion those people because they're always people in the background. And when you watch a music video, you, you know, you don't think about those people. Um, so. No, you don't. You're <laughs> so, right about that. And that's why I love uh, at the end of the video, at, at the very end, I love that you did this. There's a list of almost like credits yeah yeah and there's a behind the scenes video as well that that, that they released you released a week ago yeah. with, with all those people being interviewed about the experience of working on a pretty much 99 percent female crew yeah 
that that was your ambition wasn't it you weren't you didn't deviate from that even when it got difficult you wanted it to be made by women for everyone as you as the company tagline says so yeah yeah I, i'm really proud of that i i think i think to have done to have done that in this current climate with such panache and commitment it it takes a lot out of it me. was chaotic it's hard <laughs> was it <laughs> yeah, but it was good. It was like we learned so much through the process. So mm. I mean, we're carrying on. So yeah, you just made another one. Speaks for itself. Now you, you just made yeah. another video as well. Yeah, for another artist called Frankie Bones. Um, yeah, he's really cool. He's just signed to a record label called Blah Records, and um, they commissioned a video, and yeah, it turned out really well. We're really happy with it. And again, was a really lovely day. Like the shoot was so fun. Um, so yeah, and another one planned for October. <laughs> it's great. So the, yeah, yeah, the chaos prevails, but it's good fun. So they're riding, they're riding two horses. They're, they're riding kind of Indira's own music career and they are a, you know, a promo production company. Yeah, we're going to um, start looking for new artists as well, I think, are you? like wow. next year. So trash, basically the sort of the mission statement of trash is, how would you put it? Um, run by women for everyone? Well, yeah, our tagline is run by women for everyone. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's not that we only ever hire women. Like the last video we did was a 50-50 split in terms of like gender. Um, I think the first project we did, my music video was just a bit of a, a bit of a trial to see what an all-female crew would be like because none of us had ever had that experience um but yeah I think in one in one line it's just to um make things a bit more equal within the creative industry and make sure that you know people feel safe in working environments and it's just an acceptance it's it's kind of having that awareness of who you're employing and giving people opportunities and um and having some fun I mean there's a lot yeah. of fun there's a lot of fun going on yeah we don't it. take ourselves too seriously as well that's the thing like we're not here to like jump down people's throats and wag the finger it's it's kind of it's about like communicating and just accepting each other's ideas and yeah just a community a community feel really that helps women along the way <laughs> Yeah, and, and what I like about it is that, you know, having grown up when MTV first started, I was 11. And you could tell that in many cases, a lot of young artists did not have control over the clips that accompanied their music. And a lot of the, the women especially were objectified um, in ways that were, you know, really unflattering. And you could tell that they didn't have any say. And so I think that you also have control in how your image is projected to the world and the, the the idea of you being objectified by a stranger in a video is just that's just not on the table and I think mm -hmm. that's such a massive relief I would imagine for you as an artist and as a woman and also to your dad <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's funny you know um because your your kind of crew you know your girls Hattie, Delilah, Maya you know, they've often hung out here, you know, through 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 Indira's kind of Oxford years, the later years, but also, you know, and been around the Aliens Project, and you know, and it's 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 been amazing to see 
how it's, I don't really really don't want to sound like some boring old oh, dad no. here, but I don't, <laughs> it's amazing to see how 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 they've how they've grabbed opportunities and worked and worked together and worked through things together. You know, to because you always said to me, I want my own, I want my own team. You know, not not all working for me like some diva, but I want my own people around me to do so. I want to work with people I know and do things. And you know, and that's what's happening. Yeah, I think as an artist, like a musician, um, it's important to have a good team around you who you really trust, um, because you know it's it's a wild world out there in that industry. Yeah, <laughs> like, and a brutal one. Um, yeah, it's cruel, and and people, of course, are going to pass judgment on you all the time. And you know, we've got the internet, which is just this void of people's opinions and you have to have a tough skin but you also have to have a team you trust that is in a in a way going to keep you safe like and and also you can trust with your creative ideas and yeah so it kind of I've always wanted that if like trying to pursue music but actually now like I've realized I've got other interests creatively like I've really enjoyed making these videos um and it's cool because, you know, making stuff for other artists kind of inspires me with my own stuff as well. And it's all interlinked. So, yeah, it's exciting. One of the things I really love about the video is that, I mean, it reminds me of, of the Amy Winehouse clip for Rehab only in the sense, in the way that in that video, it's, which is very spare, she's just sort of positioned in the middle in the same way you're positioned in the middle that you're sort of like everything sort of um, rotating around you. You're the thing that holds it together. Um, but one of the things that is amazing about the rehab video and about your video is that it's a career that's really early on and there's this remarkable poise, like being the front person of that, of that clip, um, you just seem incredibly comfortable in that role. Uh, did it did it feel that way? Because it sure looks that way. No, not at all. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, people always say this about me. Like they always say, oh, you, you look so confident and comfortable. But inside, that's just not the case. But, you know, I'll take that one. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was funny. Like leading up to the video, there was like a series, a series of um, unfortunate events. Unfortunate incidents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it really was. Lemony Snicket, whatever. That it was. was like, yeah, you know, as just as life does. And I wasn't feeling too good in myself actually. So the morning of that video, like compared to the outcome of that, we <laughs> it was remarkable. We even got a video, to be honest. Yeah. I would, I would second that. I would, I, I, it was shot. It was shot on the bank holiday Monday, right in May. I think so. I think at nine o'clock on Sunday night, Hattie rang us. And yeah, no, there was all sorts. There was so on. much. It was, it was, it, it wasn't quite like you know. You imagine it was like in the seventies, where you give someone a shot of vitamin, vitamin B, and you and the oxygen, and you literally push them onto the stage. But I think there was a touch of that. It was like. It's now or never, baby. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you've yeah. just got to do this. This is your moment. Um, but no, do you know what? I think if it wasn't, ironically, if it wasn't for the team and the crew, I wouldn't have gotten through that day mm. like I did because everyone was so lovely. Um, you know, the people doing my hair and makeup just 
I got on with them so well. They're such lovely individuals. Um, yeah, it was such a good vibe. So it, you couldn't not enjoy it. Um, and it would have been a waste not to enjoy it. And I, mm. I really did. So yeah, that kind of pulled me out of that slumber really. And yeah, made it kind of, made it feel a bit more special actually, I guess, in a way. But you, you're, in, in Zoe, uh, that thing about, I think people say it about a lot of singers, don't they? That they're, they're a bag of nerves before they go on. They're being sick, they can't focus and they step out and then suddenly it's like a preternatural calm. Right. But, uh, you know, and it, it's always difficult as, as a parent, how, how do you step back and, and judge that of your own child? But what I would say about Indy as a, as a performer is that we've seen her, you know, at all ages from 14, because, you know, because we used to have family parties where bands would play, i.e. You know me, but professional musicians would be playing, and then, and you know, say say like a Karen's fiftieth birthday or a, a wedding, or you know, there's always there was always music, always music, and and to a high standard, and um, you know, we do a set of eight, nine, ten songs, and and as Indy got older, she would come and do a song or two, sometimes with other people in the band. Some, but one but one year, just you and Hattie, Hattie mm. came and played piano. And you sang, and 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 you re would refuse. You refused to rehearse, and uh, you didn't <laughs> want to do the sound check. Uh, <laughs> that hasn't changed. And um, and then and you'd be really nervous, and then you'd then you'd step on the stage, and you'd be so still, and that would make the audience still. And I've seen you do that again and again and again. I've seen you before you go on, where it's just like you think, Christ, is she ever going to do this? But now we've seen it enough to know that somehow <laughs> you pull it out of the bag and we kept telling ourselves that that weekend actually no she'll pull it out of the bag it'll be fine she'll be fine <laughs> it's a video they can always do another take but I have to say when Hattie sent the first stills through of the shoot going it's amazing it's going so well we just said thank god for that <laughs> <laughs> well I mean what it's very cryptic what was going on with you like what was actually happening um just like just kind of life stuff like things happening with friends and relationships and I think life has a funny way of kind of um like testing you and I think it was a bit of a test um you know there was like a massive build up to doing this video and it meant a lot to me and and Hattie and you know not just because it was our first project and it was trash but because you know I've watched my friends go through stuff in in their own industries and in their own jobs and and we were all coming together it was just like a really big moment for all of us I think like finally we can do something on our own terms and it's going well and it's really fun um so I think that was a big build up to it and then life was like oh and here's some like life struggles like <laughs> a, a week before just to really test your your confidence when you're already feeling really apprehensive um because you know it I think well I'm definitely one of those people like I'm constantly trying to prove myself as well so you know whenever I'm doing a project or releasing something like I'm such a perfectionist and I there's also the pressure of that I just put on myself as well as a person. So yeah, it was it was an intense few weeks. Yeah. But, 
but um it was good like it was fun um and i'm still here so <laughs> yeah I'll sorry the 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 moment that we that we were sl slightly seriously worried was when we saw the photos from the costume fitting <laughs> and because because indy indy was not not in the happiest of frame of minds and and the clothes were hanging off you and it really looked like you were in a police lineup <laughs> and i just thought christ <laughs> these makeup artists and these hair and these hairstyles they've got their work cut out <laughs> no it's true it's true the before and after i'm sure that's true of so many so many people in there well but but if you think about it i mean i remember just putting it in tennis terms i remember that there was a tennis player from america named brian teacher and he went to australia from the u.s to, for the australian open and he got there and his girlfriend broke up with him and he won the tournament right and he, he probably shouldn't have won the tournament, but he, and I don't think if the girlfriend hadn't broken up with him, I don't think he would have won the tournament. It provided this mm -hmm. sort of edge and it was the only grand slam he ever won. He probably had no business winning it, but he had this sort of, uh, I mean, great player, but, but not really a favorite to win the tournament. This is probably in the, in the seventies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but he did win it. And I wonder if that provided a kind of edge, um, you know, that maybe, maybe just, defaulted in for you as well yeah for sure I think that's what I mean like life has a funny way of testing you I think it was a moment of like you better really like bloody give it your all like well, you really survival are. mode like yeah. like you have to do this for you like yeah. and for everyone else that you know you've been working with and you've got no I felt like I had no choice you know and yeah. in a way it's it's helpful like yeah. It's a good mindset to be in. It's kind of. Um... We, we we were talking, weren't we, about that thing where you know when, this you know when you sort of, in, in your life you, there are certain areas or certain people or certain situations that you think there's not there's something not quite right with this, but you kind of it just kind of goes along and you know that there's something, illusory about it or, um, maybe, not damaging but you know, it, it isn't, isn't congruent with how you are as a person. Mm. And then you burn them off. And it was like, for me, it felt like there was a burning off moment. It was like, you really got to do this on your own with those people that are really here now. And that, and it, it did, I think it did give the video a sort of, a sort of um, poise and also a slight fuck you attitude, which, yeah. you know, which is, which is great, you know, and, and, and the two male dancers either side of you just complimented that so brilliantly. And then the other, you know, the, the ballet dancer coming in was like, was, it's like this sort of creature from another planet kind of yeah. land in the middle of this video. It's a, you're not expecting it. And it, it's full of little moments like that, which are, which are fun, but also that moment, of course, is incredibly beautiful and strange, you know. Um, and the, the, the scenes in the video all have this, this, this energy to them, which it's great. It's like a little movie. I, I really love it. It is. And, and I think what really ultimately you got an edge that may not have been there, right? If had you been perfectly happy. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's funny, isn't it? Like, I feel like that's the question that gets asked to ask us a lot is like can you write when you're happy like can you write songs when you're happy and I have written songs when I'm happy but I think the best songs I write is 
are in in the moments when when you don't feel that happy or when things are going wrong uh, and I I think that's probably quite true for for a lot of artists well um, are the songs that you write when you're happy are they happy songs um have you ever written a happy song yeah have I've you? written happy songs <laughs> <laughs> No, it's funny. It, um, I write kind of like hooks on dance music and stuff, and 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 I think on some level I can like detach myself from them, so it's that they can be a bit more playful. And I don't know. I think my own music is when I write stuff that's purely mine. Like it has to has to come from like a really real place, and maybe like accessing that place is like unfortunately when I feel really low um I don't know um I can't I can I can divulge that the first song that Indira ever wrote and and Karen her mum found the piece of paper <laughs> oh, no. on, on her on her little desk in her room and I think she was about seven and we we'd gone out and bought her a Spanish acoustic guitar to have lessons at school where you know you stick the little paper dots on the frets right um, not not that you ever learned to play conventionally really but um and the first song was called I don't think it had a title but the lyric went evil is coming you better run away and uh, and and you performed this and it was basically e minor and a minor it was like black sabbath on a you know on a on a bad day it was very heavy and we thought oh christ a, a, do we need to go to a doctor um, yeah evil is coming you better run away and uh, and even even when you were writing, you know, sort of 14, uh, that there's a song called Young Love, which I really, really, I really think is a great song. And, and when you first played it and recorded it, I was thinking, oh, this is a sort of innocent song about young love. And then I listened to it again the other day and I thought, no, it's not though. <laughs> it start, the first verse is a sort of peon to this sort of beautiful boy with his perfect hair and his green eyes and, all the other things and then and then if and then it moves through this idea that you know will you still love me when I ball my eyes out will you still love me when what? I scream and shout will you still love me if I don't brush my hair can I just be myself and it's like wow okay that wasn't that wasn't Donny Osmond then so there's always yeah. this sort of you know weird real melancholy but sort of authentic questioning streak running through that stuff so I don't know yeah but you, you know I would say when you picked that song up and you were reading the lyrics you should have thought to yourself well this is written by the author of evil is coming so <laughs> <laughs> let's not be led too far astray <laughs> oh no well no. I mean I do think that there are some very great happy songs and then and then you've got Nick Drake you know sort of these kind of polarized thing and somehow being in the middle but one of the things that I, that I think this is what you're talking about also is that it probably revealed to you not that you didn't know but it probably revealed to you that no matter what happens in your real life right the character that you need to become as an artist like on video on stage has nothing to do with that that's a different persona and maybe mm. that sort of that separation was never more clear maybe to you on this um, than that video shoot. Yeah, for sure. I think I think as well, like people forget, like 
I mean, and it's funny, like, I find it even weird still, like, calling myself an artist because I feel like I'm so, I'm such, I'm at the beginning of my career, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't feel fully formed, like, I feel like a fetus, but, um, yeah, I don't know, I, I think, um, God, I've lost my tangent of thought now. Um, oh, about think, that separation of, of... Yeah, I, th I think that, <laughs> I'd um, like to help you out, but it I was a really good. Say, it was it? a really good point. As it was well. going to be amazing. It was the winning point. <laughs> <laughs> Separ separation between between who you are in your in your personal life, but then who you become when oh, you yeah. step on stage. I, yeah, I think as I've kind of gotten older, like I've I've really realised that. As now viewing artists that I love you kind of you appreciate like it's a job like you know you see some of the artists you love perform on stage and give a cracking performance but you kind of you do forget they're humans and um I watched a documentary about um Billie Eilish um who I just think's who I think is amazing and she's very honest in her documentary about Kind of how she feels on on this tour that she does around America and there's kind of snippets of her breaking down you know backstage and before she goes on and how she feels but even on stage which I I've never seen before since this documentary like there's snippets of her like crying in performances and well, did you the know, audience see that yeah and, and not managing to like get her words out and stuff and um because, I just, well, because she's under so much pressure under pressure but she goes into stuff about her personal oh, life and you know you kind of forget that it it is a job and people mm. put on personas um and you know not everything you see is is real um and right. it's it's up to the artist to to choose how they how they navigate that um but i i appreciated her documentary because it gave an insight into those raw moments of her being a real person like you got to see her actually who she was which was just like an I think she was 18 at the time like an 18 year old mm, girl nice. oh, which is yeah. you know an extreme level of of an example of that but it you know it was kind of it was fascinating at the same time well, one of the things that you know, we, you and I are both such Bowie fans and and maybe you are as well <laughs> but but like what what David Bowie did that I thought was so brilliant is everyone talks about, oh, Bowie has these personas, right? Ziggy Stardust and Aladdin Sane and the list goes on. But David Bowie is a persona, right? Yeah. It's like, he's not even, that's not even his real last name. So he already was a character before he was character. So he had this, I feel like he had these layers of protection and I feel like he understood that like better than anyone I've ever seen. Um, yeah, and, and, right? and, Black, and Black Star... On, on Blackstar, he absolutely nails that. Yeah. You know, he, 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 call, he basically calls it out. You know, he says, I've built my myth so high and so strong and so deep. I'm untouchable now. I like right. that, though. Like, I really like that idea of, of, like, showing your fans or your audience, like, lots of different versions of you. So no one, no one knows who the real you is, because I... I do think on some level it is important to protect that. Um, yeah. And I think what a cool way to confuse people. 
Yeah. Well, you, well, I mean, you know, you play, you play three, you play three roles in that video. I mean, Alex said earlier that you're, 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 you're the, you're, you're right at the centre, which is true in, in the most, in the most, you know, in, in the role that has most screen time, which is you in the suit. You're absolutely, you know, kind of that's like it reminds me of Annie Lennox when she first appeared with the Rhythmics with the shaved head, with the, with the orange hair crop, and it reminded uh, my sister said, "Oh, she looks like Madonna." I mean, it is, but it is that strong, it's that strong female persona. But then you also play the, the the woman around the card table, who's much more sort of, you know, ponytail but still in control. But then in the dancing scene where everyone lets go, you're actually at the side there in the yellow dress. With the, I mean, I wonder why did you why did you decide to do that? Was that just no? That was because was that a practical we, thing because they could dance better. Yeah, that was because you know at the time when I was planning this video, I was like, yes, we'll get some amazing dancers. And then on the day, I was like, oh yeah, I've actually got to like dance in front of <laughs> eight professional dancers. And then I was like, oh shit, uh, <laughs> might just ask them to like not send me in the shots. <laughs> it's quite but, nice in a way. But it's no, it was still fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that one through. Um, but also it was about, you know, like letting them have their moment. Yeah, like yeah, they're yeah. so talented. It works, it works. And and also it was great to dance to dance around them. Like it, oh, it feels like a party. It was a vibe. Like uh, if people yeah. are dancing around me and there's good music, you'd doesn't matter what you look like. I think that's kind of the point of that scene, like doesn't matter what you look like or if you look silly or stupid, like if you're having fun with your friends and you're in that moment, then you know, you can't help but dance when you hear the music. My soul stayed bitter with echoes of words left behind. Words I shall not keep. Cause I know those who are cruel unsettled in their own minds. I guess they're just feeling weak. See, sometimes I don't know.
Like, is that a weird thing to, be? I always wonder about that where, um, I mean, all of us feel weird about ourselves in some way, right? But mm-hmm. when you're being, cause like, for example, I teach university for a living and there's a kind, I, I recognize that, you know, as much as they're kind of listening to me, they're looking at you in a way that, that I had never been used to being looked at when I first started teaching. I was like, this feels really weird. Um, because it feels like half judgmental, half curious, half maybe revolted. I don't know what's going on in their heads. But as in performing on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And also maybe maybe photography and all of those things. Yeah. How does that feel? Um, I've always been quite like a self-conscious teen. Um and it was only kind of in my mid-20s where I started feeling like comfortable in my body. Um, and now I am quite blasé. Like, I I just don't really care. Like, what, like, but, but, I, I, but I do still care on some level. I, d- I don't know. I think it's, it's ever-evolving, that one, really, your perception of yourself. But, um, yeah, I think... I'm getting more comfortable in front of the camera. Um, and I think it's just learning to have fun with it. And um, yeah, over the last few years, I'd say like that confidence has grown. Oh, it's, it's grown hugely. I mean, if I, if you're thinking, say, so in 2018, Indie released effectively what was your first EP? Because I mean, two of the songs are still out there. Mm. Um, which was produced by Callum and it's it's a it's really you know beautiful collection of songs and and there was a video that went with that um, but you know you did a, a launch gig in effect for that which you, your 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 
it was it was it was an incredible gig because you had the most amazing band and the atmosphere was wonderful and it was full and you sang brilliantly but you didn't have you didn't have the sort of the command of the stage i mean why should you that 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 that, that has been coming and I unfortunately got sort of you know truncated by covid mm. um but you know when we saw you at ronnie scott's i mean like this this uh, at the beginning of the lockdown sorry, just before the lockdown, in March of 2020, we did um, a, ben a benefit for crisis. And, and uh, I asked Indy to come up with her keyboards player Hutch and just open the show, basically. We had three bands and, um, and she did, and it, it was lovely. And we would have had a full house if, if, it, if it hadn't been for, you know, people understandably thinking something was coming, which they were right about. Um, but you, you, it was Hutch on the piano, you walked on and you just, you just held the room and you were wearing sort of, I don't know, a yellow cord suit or something, big <laughs> trainers. And, but you turned it into like somebody's living room. And actually that set the tone for the whole gig because the next act that came on, Haley, who had a, like a full band and was doing like this very beautiful laid back Californian thing actually. Um, every, in her set, everybody sat down on the floor, it was like a little mini festival because mm. she was playing this very chilled sort of vibe. And then we all came on and, you know, started shouting about, you know, about fascists and that was aliens. So you got everyone on their feet, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but you were very, you know, you were very relaxed. You, you were incredibly relaxed and you talked yeah. talk between songs and just made it your own. I think it? it's a mix of everything. I think since starting Trash and being around so many women, like that's really, boosted my confidence and naturally as well like being on a set just full of women it's just easier to just feel in your body I think there's so, there's been so many incidents in the past where you know I've had things said to me that are inappropriate or um you're just aware of how how people view you so you know there is still that awareness I'm still I'm still aware that there's that 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 you know it's there and I guess in essence, trash is kind of trying to fight against that in some way because we're trying to create better environments. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think confidence is just ever evolving. And, you know, I, I kind of, I, there is, a, I, I'm constantly setting goals like of, I want to be here and, you know, I want to do this and I love this artist. And one day, you know, I've booked dance lessons. <laughs> like, I want to up my dancing. Like, I just constantly want to gain new skills. So I think, yeah, I'd hope compared to three years ago, I'm more confident. And I hope in another three years that, you know, I'm even more confident in myself. Um, but, you know, in a modest way, I think it's just about your personal growth. It's not about showing off. It's, you know, it's, it's all just to do with, with your own growth and who you are as a person. Um, yeah, and I also think that there is something to be said about getting really famous really young seems about as healthy as a little bit of poison in your cereal. Yeah. I mean, it's right. It just seems like you, like I think what Billie Eilish, I think she's handled it really well. Um, but I, but I don't think that's typical. And I think no. that, you know, she's been very protective and I, and I feel that sort of unraveling maybe a little bit as she's getting older, actually. Um mm. But I do think that this build that you have gives you something foundational. Whereas if you had exploded at 16 or 17, 
that just seems like a recipe for disaster. I mean, would you have been able to handle something no, on that scale? God, no, Like, I, I mean, I've never chased fame. Like, actually, the idea of fame kind of freaks me out. Like, I, that's why I'm fascinated by those documentaries, because I just think, how on earth do you live under that intense pressure all the time? Um, and, um, but, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird one. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have handled it. I think, yeah, I think... I, I think, like, for instance, Billie Eilish, I mean, I've got a strong family unit, but, you know, her, fam her family went on tour with her, like, they were in all the decisions and stuff, and... And we wouldn't be allowed to do that. <laughs> I'd be too stubborn. There'd be absolutely no decision-making input <laughs> but on our side. <laughs> I think, I think where, I, where I was at, at at 16, you know, I wasn't, yeah, it, w it wouldn't have been a good age to, to, for any of that to have happened, I don't think. I mean, my, you know, having, having had my version of, you know, being in a band and getting signed and all that stuff in a different age, I think the, 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 thing, the thing that has changed that I admire, but it's been forced upon you and your generation of artists is you either do it yourself or you don't. Because the idea of being signed to a major, I, I know you don't want to be, Anyway, but it's like that that ticket doesn't exist. And it and, and I think that's a good thing actually. Um it, it's the, the 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 game has changed so much in that respect, but in other respects it hasn't changed, which is that you can, you know, somebody very young can be pushed forward often through the internet, actually, mm -hmm. you know, and, and likes and YouTube and all the rest of it. We've seen it happen, you know, to generations of pop stars now, what, three times since YouTube happened when you know it's three generations. The thing of is, though, I don't even think it's down to age now. Like, I just think it's. I just think any kind of fame. It doesn't matter if it's music, mm. film, like being a vlogger, being mm. an influencer. I just think now that we've got the internet, mm. like in the way that we have it, like mm. and the way we can use it. I I don't know. I I feel like it's not even dependent on age now I just think mm. anyone could crack under all of that pressure and mm. you know that goes back yeah. to the point of having a good team and mm. I guess yeah if you're young you're probably more unlikely to have a good team around you because you're young and you're like starting out in life but I, and, um, well, and, and I was thinking also that that if, if I think about your development as you know as a as an artist and as a singer and as a writer actually you, you had you had the most amazing um, beginning because you had Bernie, your guitar teacher, who just taught you to be, how can you teach someone to be free, but encouraged you to be free on the guitar and just whatever you wrote, he followed. And he was so excited about what you were writing when you were young. And I think that was, that was incredible. And also, I, I guess, you know, you were hanging around um, the people that were coming in and out of the house, professional musicians, seeing how they worked and picking things up and being backstage you had that all of those weird things going on but you then went through your own sort of accelerated um kind of nightmares in the music industry thing in a sense because because you you know you you did your own thing you you, you got into the uk hip-hop thing you did your own ep 
stuff happened and didn't happen. It was it was very it was in a sense it was quick, but it was it wasn't big scale, but it was quick, and you, and you burnt it off, and you worked out very quickly actually by looking at the people that you admired that were strong and doing things in the right way. You worked out very fast actually. I want to do it like this. I had no doubt that you would do that anyway because of who you I, are. I but... think it. I think it just got to the to the line of if I want to do this, I have to do it in my own way yeah. because, like, yeah. and it is you know. Luckily, I didn't. You know, I've unfortunately had experiences in the industry that haven't been pleasant, as so many other women have. Um, and and I think it wasn't just my experiences that like wanted that drove me mm. to that decision. It was just the fact that every time I spoke to my friends, it, it just became normal, like just exchanging these stories. And and then like, we sit there and be like, oh, well, you know, just the way it goes. And it's kind of like, no, it's not the way it goes. Like, I wanna make my songs and I wanna release the stuff I wanna release and I wanna be creative and I wanna have my creative control. And I don't wanna have to keep feeling like I have to jump through hoops or quiet my voice or do this or do that or, like my tongue or whatever it is you don't have you just don't have to do it that way and and I guess this is what the challenge is now is is to you know do it yourself mm. <laughs> right because then you don't have to be somebody that you're not yeah right yeah um yeah and, and the danger also I think in 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 achieving massive success very young is that your emotional maturity has not you're not emotionally mature because you're young right and so the, what, what a lot of people theorize is that you become arrested at the age you get famous. Mm. So you see people mm. that are like Justin Bieber doesn't behave like a normal 26 year old. I mean, he no. still behaves like a 16 year old on a skateboard. Um, and and that's, not, that's not to put a slide on him because I think he, um, you know, I have no judgment on him, but I just, he doesn't seem to me that he is maturing at the at the right rate. He seems very arrested to me, um, and I could be wrong, but the that is a huge danger of achieving success at sixteen or seventeen years old or even younger, and you literally stop maturing emotionally. It's a it's such a poison. It really it really is a scary thing. So I think this this build that you have for your career I think is incredibly wise and will be more will be very enduring. If you, if I mean, if if you go back, if you go back, you know, if you go back to the to the two acts that you know shaped pop and rock and roll, to you know, to Elvis and the Beatles, you can see it very clearly because, you know, with Elvis, of course, you know, he he was so he, he was just the first, and 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 look what happened, you know, he had to crash and burn, and come back and then crash and burn because he was growing up in public. And, and the Beatles is really interesting because when I was young, I would look at pictures of Paul McCartney and John Lennon with their beards and I would think, oh, they're, they're sort of old men, really. But then it's sort of a shock to find out that they're just in their late 20s, is it? I mean, you know, yeah. because all their growing up was done in public and they had to, all the things that, that they would have carried with them, like, you know, John's first marriage or whatever it was, you know, it, it just happened in such an accelerated way. And of course, you know, of course the music they produced was just completely extraordinary, but, but it, it, it was such a pressure cooker and they could only do their, their sort of, their normal growing up, if you like, after it had ended. Exactly, right. And, and 
you know, and the Beatles were together such a short time and I just, it, it's so intense. It's so intense. And, and, um, and of course they didn't survive. They didn't survive it as a band. I mean, they survived it as individuals, you know, up to a point. And I think you're right. If you look at artists that sustain, and you talked about Bowie earlier, you know, his form of protection, if you like, was to go through, let's not forget, massive failure. Failure right. after failure after failure after failure. Even after Space Oddity, he failed, right? Only when he realised that he had to invent the rock star to be the rock star. And of course, then that became a trap um, with Ziggy, did all the lights go on? And it, of course, he had Angie that launched him in that way, possibly. But there are so many like that. And I, yeah, it, 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 it is a really weird thing that, that what, what makes a career that's, that, that sustains. And, and you think it is in the end. It's the artist that knows that they just come back to themselves and they don't really care. Radiohead are a great example of that. Tom, you, you know, I mean, I, I mean, incredible example of that, I think. I agree. And I also think Talk Talk. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it just only in the sense that there was a moment where they went, we could keep delivering pop hits, but we're not going to do that. We're going to yeah. do something more challenging and, and who cares what happens? I mean, and then they make Eden. <laughs> Then they make Eden, and which has nothing to do with that first record. Uh, you know, it's just it's which reminds me of like Pablo Honey to Kid A. It's like you know it took Radiohead a few more records than Talk Talk, um, but they're both remarkable examples of of what you're saying. So I think being self possessed, being you know being able to say like this is this is just who I am, and this is how it's going to be. Um, uh, I think that's so important. Like when you're entering a creative industry as well as like you've got to remind yourself why why you're doing it and right. you know I never want to get into a position where I'm making something I don't want to make like for me the, the number one rule is just make what you feel like you know there's no brief just make make what you want to make don't don't worry about if it's sounds a bit like this or does it fit into this genre or like it doesn't matter like for me the music I love and the best records and the stuff I, I rinse the most is stuff that stands outside the box it's people who took a bit of a challenge on their creativity and just decided to be their authentic self and mm. and it paid off because it mm. you know it's something new and it, and and on some level people respond to it because it it kind of I guess in essence like sounds sounds true like mm. it's not you know it's true to that person so you kind of um you 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 feel attracted to that I guess when you listen to it mm. yeah and it, and it sounds and it's really great for I think for young musicians and young artists of any kind to hear what you're saying because I think that it sounds really easy like, oh just be yourself and you we're told that all the time but it's not easy to actually execute because there's so many external pressures and there's so many whether the pressure is commerce or the pressure is acceptance or popularity, um, people are always so afraid to to do that because it, you know you don't want to you don't want to exist outside of what seems normal or accepted. Um, and, and a lot of times, I think great artists tend to bow to trends or whatever it might be. So what you're saying, I think, is really important. You have to you have to be who you are because otherwise. Um, you'll be miserable making making the art. And I think that's a really enormous point that you've made. 
I don't, I don't think you, you don't really have a choice, do you? I mean, uh, uh, in, in your case, personally, because I've seen you just say... <laughs> That's a polite I, way of saying you're really stubborn. <laughs> no, it's not. No, 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 no. I mean, you are really stubborn, obviously. I can't think where you're going. But, 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 I'm, but, you know, when you don't feel something, you, you can't, you know, as, I, I'm not talking about performing because that's different because you'll, you'll somehow, you'll draw it in and you'll go on and you'll sing or you'll go in front of the camera and you'll do the thing. Something clicks and you can do it. But, but in terms of the creativity before that, the writing uh, or the going in with another bunch of musicians or producers to do a session, if you can't feel it or you know you, you you know that it doesn't feel right for whatever reason you you won't go and and i i really admire that i mean i think it's it's a tough one um but you know yourself that you can't dredge it up at that point so i think you're very aware of that in inside yourself which um you know which i which i i admire and i envy because you know i think it, you know when when i had my band that was originally called The Models and we were doing this spiky little rock and roll thing and it was all great. And then we suddenly, we just obeyed all the fucking rules and, you know, now put on this suit. I mean, people said to us, well, were you told what to do? And it was like, it was even worse than that. No, we weren't told. We looked around and we thought, oh, well, in order to make it now, we need to look like that. It was just so stupid. Um, but we were sort of insecure about our own, you know, if you if you like sort of artistic integrity. I mean, I, I think probably because it was a six-piece band and there were too many egos fighting each other. But, but certainly individually, I didn't have that confidence to go. What the hell are we doing, guys? Last week we were wearing black jeans and t-shirts, and now we're poncing about in pink suits. And I was one of the worst offenders. But um, and I was pretty much the age you are now, actually. Um, so that was kind of weird. It's taken me a very long time to come back and go, and now he no, wears, fuck that. Now he wears a pink suit. Now he wears a pink suit. So he's done a 360. Hey, we're, we're a work in progress, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's only taken me like another 50 years or something. Yeah, I, I feel now at this point in my life, it's become so easy for me to say no. And I had a really hard time saying, you know, for me, I couldn't say no up until maybe a couple of weeks ago. Like I had the <laughs> hardest time doing that. And now I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't think we're gonna do that, you know? And so I found myself in situations I really didn't wanna be in because I was trying to be polite and just keep the status quo. And I think being self-possessed um, at a young age and having that is a, is a real gift because a lot of people don't and they have to develop it or, or they don't develop it ever. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No, for sure. It comes you know. at a cost, I think, sometimes, but... It does come at a cost. I mean, I mean, I mean, coming back to Barry, there's a brilliant interview where the guy goes, you know, he talks about, he basically talks about all, all of the albums after Aladdin Sane, which you know, sort of effectively flops, you know, commercially. And he said, why did you do it? He said, because he said, you know, you didn't make any money. And, and Barry just goes, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, but he went to Berlin. There was no choice, you know. And, no. And, you know, and now look, you know. Well, I mean, even those Tin Machine records, which aren't any good, they sound good. Like if you walk into a room and some, they're produced well, they sound crunchy and feral. They're not any good. But he did them and he, and he was all in. And, and I, think yeah. that's, I think that's pretty cool. Um, 
I always ask artists this. I don't know why I do. I think because my parents are very supportive. My mom was a family therapist. It's like, that was going to happen. Um, Join the club. <laughs> right? You know, you know, exactly. So, but did, but having support, I mean, I don't even need to ask you. You you have very supportive parents. Yeah. And that, must, that must be incredibly helpful. Oh my goodness. Like, I just feel incredibly lucky. Um to be in that position so I know so many people who you know don't have that support or for whatever reason um so yeah I think that's made a massive difference in my career but just in my life in general um generally do think I'd be a very different person if I didn't have that support um to just be who I want to be actually um so, you know, I've never, I've never, you've never said you can't do this or you can't do that, or I don't think you should go for that job, or I've kind of been given my independence from quite a young age. I mean, when I, when I was 18, my mum sent me off to India for like six months on my own, and I wanted to take a friend, but she insisted that I had to go on my own so you've always kind of pushed me to just um yeah be independent I guess I don't yeah I don't know whether we pushed you to be independent I mean I think um I mean I think the word strong-willed uh doesn't cover it uh, with Indy and it doesn't really cover it with me and it doesn't really cover it with her mum so you know um there's there's three three two two strong strong will parents and one strong strong will child and I think Indy arrived in the world on her own terms uh, that was definitely true and and as as a very small child that was clear that if she didn't want to do something she wasn't going to do it and if she did want to do it she would do it I mean as a toddler she got fired from music time <laughs> which was a, probably probably a brilliant thing um, and you weren't going to accept rules that didn't make sense to you if you tried the standard stuff of if you do that again you're going to lose it well in america what would it be uh you know a half a dollar off or just 25 cents off your pocket money so and you've only got a dollar so in her case it would be you're going to lose 10p off that pound so she would just do it 10 times <laughs> until the pound had gone and then go and then just look at you as if to say well now what <laughs> you know so the, you know, um, it was negotiating with a terrorist from, from a very young age. And, um, well, it's quite strong. <laughs> <laughs> but we well. kind of, you know, but I suppose it was, it was just a sense of how do you, how do you work with this child who wants to do things her own way on her own terms? And then when she does them on her own terms, all of those rewards come through and and doesn't take very kindly to bullshit from from adults who don't make sense and and actually of course i recognize a lot of that in myself i mean you know and i if i hope you don't mind me saying this but you know we were both diagnosed as as adhd on the same day uh, by the same woman and then maybe some of that is kind of you know some of that is part of that you know condition some of that is just who you are and, 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 and how you arrive in the world and, and how you're raised. But we just, you know, we just wanted you to 
go and do your own thing. And because we knew that there was no point in the XTC song making plans for Nigel. I mean, that was not going to happen. You know, there wasn't going to be some neat box that you fitted into. I mean, I haven't fitted into a neat box. Um, but I'm, you know, I've probably been able to be more malleable than you because I come from a different generation. And I, I really admire the fact that you do things your own way. I mean, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I wish I'd had some of that confidence when, when I was in my 20s. It's taken me a long time, a long time to catch up in that respect. But also, you know, um, your mum is a very independent-minded strong-willed person who just worked the world out on her own terms you know I think as well I'm sure you probably find this having a parent who's a therapist but um as much as you joke about it and, and roll the yeah. eyes like it's it's very helpful because you you know you you learn to communicate about things and um I think what whoever you are as a kid it's important to have that in the environment you're growing up in um that you can communicate about anything and, you know, there's no shame attached to anything. And, you know, fortunately I, I did grow up in a household like that. So mm. I, I think that's contributed to, to who I am as a, as a person. Yeah, I would um, take very, very little credit for your parenting. Yeah, to be fair, like this is the guy who, when my mum had to move to Manchester for a year, he just fed me takeaway and took me to his football match. <laughs> no, well, I also introduced you to the Blues Brothers. Yeah, and you let me watch Blues Brothers, the uh, that the movie. At the um, age of five. At the age I, of five. I think that was seminal. Which was... Well, it got you into Aretha Franklin. I mean, there was a lot of swearing, but the swearing was happening anyway, so... <laughs> yeah. What a good entry point through the Blues Brothers. Why not? Well, I, I love the music and I love what you're doing. And I love how it's coming together with your friends. You've got this network of people. You've got a great family. You've got artistically, it just seems like you can do anything. And I think, um, I just think it's so exciting to watch, watch your career bloom the way it is. And I can't get that song out of my head. I mean, I love, I love it. The EP is great and I love it all. Um, but I've spent so much time with that with that song, and it's just it's just incredible. You've done a remarkable <laughs> job. You've done a really great job. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is it's cool to have to see like because I always ask about people's parents. It's really nice to see you with your parent and to sort of see how that communication rolls in that sort of natural supportive way. It's really great. And um, anyway, I'm so excited about your career and your music and what you do. And I'm I'm just just a massive congratulations to being who you are and knowing who you are. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's been very enjoyable. Wasn't that fun? That's our very first father-daughter interview uh, on the program. And uh, I thought it went well. That was really uh, a cool conversation. Very cool dynamic between them. And uh, Indira's EP is marvelous. Go get it. Uh, Trashfilmsandmusic.com is where you need to go 
to uh, get the EP and find out what they're up to, because they're up to some pretty cool stuff. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what cool stuff I'm up to. Uh, BombshellRadio.com is where you need to go to find out what our radio station's up to. Everyone's up to something. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ember's Editor. You can follow me on Instagram, at Ember's Podcast. You can also email me the good old-fashioned way, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on every single podcast platform on the planet. As a matter of fact, we are now on Amazon and Audible. So uh, that that's our latest uh, ground that we've conquered. Next, I think we're going to ask Mr. Bezos if he'll send us to space. I feel like I feel like there's a real audience up there for us. Uh, let's close the show with a longer listen to When I Hear the Music by Indira May. Enjoy it. And uh, thank you, as always, for listening to our program week in and week out. I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio.
I can't help but dance when I hear the music 